Well, for our reading this morning, we're going back to Mark's Gospel. Mark uh, chapter 2. We'll be uh, in a, a little later, but I want us to go back to verse 35 of Mark chapter 1. We'll read from there this morning through to verse 12 of chapter uh, 2. This is what God's Word says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We thank God for uh, his word. Well, do turn back with me to Mark chapter 2. As uh, we turn there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, your words, and we declare with the psalmist, How sweet are your words uh, to my taste, sweeter than honey. Uh, to my mouth. Please, Father, would you show us the sweetness of your word for our lives this morning? Might we taste and experience the reality of your forgiveness today 
uh, by your Holy Spirit as you speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine with me that you've been uh, sent to prison for a long time. You've uh, been given a sentence with no chance of an early release. And as you realize that, all around you are bars and wars. And this is going to be you for a very long time. And one day somebody comes to visit you, someone you've never met before. And they come and they visit you in the visiting area and, and they hand you a document that says that you're free to go now. That's it. You're free. You don't know who this person is. You've never met them before. And it all seems a little bit too good to be true. And then you take a look at this document and, and you see a signature at the bottom. And you see that it belongs to the man who's come to visit you that day. He is the one who's letting you go free. He is the one who is pardoning you. But you don't know who he is. And he's got no ID on him, no identification. And so you wonder to yourself, well, who's this man? Who does he think he is? How is he the one who can say you can go free today? Well, that's the sort of thing we see happening in our passage this morning at the start of Mark chapter 2 as we see Jesus tell a man, you're free to go. Your sins are forgiven. This morning we're getting back into Mark's gospel after a little break over Christmas and if you've got a good memory then you might remember that we come to the end of chapter 1 and throughout the opening chapter we were being presented with who Jesus is. We were seeing something of his identity displayed to us. He is a saviour who had come to identify with us. We saw that in his baptism. The son of God who came with all authority demonstrated in his calling of those first disciples. As he drives out uh, impure spirits, he defeats uh, Satan in the wilderness. And we saw, didn't we, that he's good news for a lost and a hopeless world. He is the one that you and I need to get to know. If we do not know him already, and as we pick up again this morning at the start of Mark chapter 2, we continue to see the priority of Jesus Christ. As we saw in chapter 1, we see his priority as he forgives. That's what our passage is showing us uh, this morning so clearly, because for the first time in this gospel, we find Jesus speaking of forgiveness. Jesus forgives. And he does that in a real historical place called Capernaum. We're back there again in verse 1 after having been here in the last chapter. And Mark records for us here that he's so popular that there is not one spare inch in the house that he is at. Everyone is squeezed in at the door. There are people straining to see Jesus because they want to hear what Jesus has to say. And you can understand that, can't you? We've already seen in chapter 1, he's been doing lots of miracles. He's been healing people with different diseases. He's been driving out demons. He's been doing incredible things. And so you can imagine that this is probably what these people have gathered to see. They want a little taste of the action. They want to see some amazing miracles. But Jesus has got some other ideas. His priorities are different to theirs. And given what we saw back in verse 38, we read earlier in chapter 1, when Jesus told his disciples that they should go to the nearby villages uh, so that he uh, could preach there also. So we shouldn't be surprised. 
that Jesus continues to carry out his great mission here in verses 1 and 2. He takes the opportunity with the crowded house to do what? To preach. He preaches the word. That, as we've already thought, is why Jesus came. They had one priority, the crowd, but Jesus has a greater one. He knows what they need most of all. They need to hear him clearly preach the truth of God's word to them. That's why preaching is so important. Mentioned that in chapter one. That's why we open up the Bible every Sunday. That's why I'm presenting you this morning with the eternal truths of God's word. It's a priority for us as a church because it was a priority for Jesus. And if he knew that, then we too should value it and we should appreciate it and we should listen Uh, to what God has to say whenever we hear his word uh, preached. And as we considered in Psalm 95 last uh, Sunday evening, whenever we hear his voice, we must not harden our hearts. We must listen and we must respond to what God's word says. So Jesus is preaching to this crowd. And as he's doing so, something quite unusual happens in verses 3 to 5. And it presents us with a great unchanging truth for all humanity. Something that is true for each of us. Uh, here this morning and it's the first of two truths that I want us to to grasp this morning that it might drive us to Jesus Christ in love and in praise and it is this our first truth this morning everyone's greatest need is the forgiveness of sins everyone's greatest need is the forgiveness of sins we see that in verses three to five now you might not agree with that statement and that's okay, we can talk about that later. But let's take a look at the passage in front of us so you can see that it's an undeniable fact for each of us here this morning. Mark here describes a group of friends who were trying to bring a paralyzed man to Jesus, presumably so that Jesus could heal him. They can't get anywhere close to him because the crowd is just too big, so they come up with a great plan, don't they? Let's make a hole in the roof. Now, it's not a typical way, I'd suggest, that you get to see someone if you're blocked from going through the door. If you're visiting a friend this week and they don't answer, don't get up on the roof and take the tiles off. But look here, in verse 4, that is exactly what these friends are, are doing. Since they could not get to him, since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I love the desire of these four friends. It's amazing, isn't it, to to see they are longing in action. They want to get this paralyzed man to Jesus, and there's nothing that is going to stop them. And you can imagine the scene, can't you, as they they remove the bits uh, off the roof. There will be dirt and dust and bits of roof falling in on them. And they'd have looked up, and they'd have seen these four determined men making an opening so Jesus can be found. So what will Jesus do? You'd think that the obvious thing would be to heal him. That seems to be such an obvious thing to do, given that this man is paralyzed. But what Jesus does next really is a shock. Take a look at what we read in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. The first thing that Jesus does isn't to heal him, but to say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. 
That is the priority of Jesus. In the view of the Son of God, forgiveness is the greatest need. Now, why does Jesus do this? Well, remember who Jesus is. He is good news. He is a saviour to a dying world, the promised one who would come to save. And so here, in forgiving this man's sins, he is identifying and he is dealing with the man's greatest need. Greater than the very pressing need of being paralysed and being unable to walk. Now, I wonder, what do you make of this? What do you make of what Jesus does here? Do you agree that this man's greatest need is forgiveness? Maybe you're thinking that this is crazy. Surely the most important thing is this man's health and his ability to walk. That would improve his quality of life so much. Surely that is the pressing need. And maybe for you this morning, you are thinking that there are more urgent needs in your life than forgiveness. Maybe you admit you're not perfect, you, you know that, but, but for you, the pressing need is, well, how are you going to fit all your revision for your exams in at school over the next few months? How are you going to afford to pay the bills this month? Or maybe it's how your latest appointment with the doctor is going to go, or how you're going to maintain that strained family relationship you have. Those needs that maybe you have this morning or others like them, they're very real and they're very important. I don't in any way deny that, and we should pray about that and share those things. But just as Jesus sees this man here in Mark 2, so he also sees you this morning in exactly the same way. Your greatest need, friend, is the forgiveness of your sins. Those big things, as real as they are, they aren't your biggest problem. Jesus says your greatest need is the forgiveness of your sins. Don't misunderstand me though, there is no lack of compassion from Jesus here. He is full of compassion and he can clearly see the awful physical condition this man is in, but Jesus sees beyond that to a deeper and a bleaker problem. The problem of his sins and his need of forgiveness. The compassion of Jesus, it goes deeper than anyone else. His compassion goes beyond the man's physical healing, and that is shown in Jesus saying to him, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That shows the priority of Jesus. The greatest need of humanity is the forgiveness of sins. The greatest need of any of us, of all of us, you this morning is this. That your sins are forgiven. I wonder, do you realize that? Do you realize that all of us, that you are a sinner and you need saving? Do you admit that your greatest need, the most important thing for you to know in your life is that your sins are forgiven? But you might be wondering, what makes this our greatest need compared to those very real pressing needs and worries that you might have this morning. Why is the forgiveness of sins our greatest need? And the answer to that is because forgiveness fixes our greatest problem. And our greatest problem is the fact that you and I have got a broken relationship with God this morning. The one who made this world, as we've already touched on with the children. From the moment that you and I are born, 
And I know, because I've got a baby, and we haven't had to teach him to rebel and to refuse, but he does it very naturally, and you too know that. If you've had children or nieces or nephews, you know that too. And all of that demonstrates to us that all of us, as we grow up, we are in rebellion against God. It is in our very nature to sin, and that leaves us cut off from an almighty God. And so without our sins being dealt with, without forgiveness... We remain there. We can't know God. Without forgiveness, we remain under the judgment of God. And that's where we will stay forever if our sins are not forgiven. In this life and in the one to come, eternal judgment, never-ending condemnation is what waits for all who do not know their sins forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is serious stuff, isn't it? Which is why Jesus says, your sins are are forgiven. The priority is this. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, Jesus forgives this man's sins because he knows that this is what he needs more than anything else, even more than being able to walk again. And you might not be trusting in Jesus yet this morning, but to you, Jesus can say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You come to church and you listen online. You're a decent person and you give the outward appearance of being a Christian. But deep down, you know you aren't because you don't know. You've never known your sins forgiven. Friend, if that is you, I want to say to you this morning that you can know your sins forgiven today. All those things you've said and thought and done that go against God and his ways, all those ways that you've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be forgiven. But how? How can they be forgiven? How can any of us here this morning know forgiveness? Well, read with with me again what verse 5 says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What does Jesus see? He sees their faith. Jesus makes a connection between faith and forgiveness. Faith for these four friends and their paralyzed uh, friend, it wasn't some knowledge they had about Jesus. They'd heard something, that he'd done something, but they decided not to do anything with it. No, faith was an active trust that Jesus was able to do something for their heartfelt needs. Faith isn't a feeling or simply knowing something that is true. Faith is actively trusting. And that's what these friends do. Now, let's be really clear. These men brought their friend to Jesus because they wanted him to be physically healed, didn't they? And Jesus hasn't done that yet. But they believed in Jesus as their only hope. But their hope, as far as we can tell, it wasn't for the forgiveness of sins, was it? It was for physical healing. So how could he forgive him his sins when that wasn't the motive that brought them to Jesus in the first place? Well, we can speculate a little. Maybe they did have some deeper awareness of their real need in their hearts. Maybe Jesus saw that. But what we can say more concretely is this. Remember where we are. We're at the start of Mark chapter 2. We're at the beginning, aren't we, of Jesus' ministry. We are a long way from the cross. And the disciples, as we'll see, they'll have lots to learn about why Jesus really has come. 
But for us now this morning, from our perspective, this side of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've got the whole story of the Gospels. And because of that, we can learn something here. We can learn this, that faith is very specifically in Jesus Christ. Faith is in him. Remember that the good news is a person, and that person is Jesus, and the faith we are to have must be in him. We don't merely believe in some higher power. We don't believe in a death for us in some theoretical sense. We don't believe in a cross even, in an abstract sense. Although we believe very much in the cross, in what Jesus did on the cross for us, but that is the point. We believe in Jesus dying for us. Friends, what makes the Christian faith what it is? What makes Christianity Christianity is faith in Jesus. True faith is in Jesus Christ, the wonderful person of Jesus. And these men, they come to Jesus. Believing in him, their faith is simply in Jesus that he can do something. They believe in him as a person. And in seeing their faith, Jesus forgives sins. And so we all have to ask ourselves this morning, don't we? Do I have my faith, not in some higher power, do I believe in some God who's out there? No, the question is more pointed than that. Do I have my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? In the Jesus of the scriptures? Do you have your faith in him this morning, friend? That's a question that all of us must answer. We either have our faith in Jesus or we don't. And this morning... Jesus gives us this opportunity again to put our faith in him. You can trust in Jesus Christ this morning. You listening who've never trusted in Jesus before, you can come and you can confess your sins to him, recognizing that you really are a sinner who needs to be forgiven. And if you will humbly come to him and ask him to forgive you, putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that his death and his resurrection really was for you, then you'll be forgiven. You really will. Your greatest need will be dealt with. Oh, and are your sins forgiven this morning, friend? Do you stand forgiven at the cross as the greatest problem that can ever face you in this life, in your broken relationship between you and your maker, being fixed through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Are your sins forgiven? Make sure you can answer yes to that question. Because the alternative is an, a terrible one. An eternity in hell. That will be unimaginably awful. And that's why everyone's greatest need is forgiveness. That's the first truth in our passage this morning. And we must not carry on with our lives without making sure that this truth drives us to Jesus. As we seek that forgiveness for ourselves in him. But then secondly, the second truth I want us to grasp here in these verses this morning, in this meeting of Jesus with this paralytic, is this, that Jesus has authority to forgive. Jesus has authority to forgive in verses 6 to 12. And it's really important that we understand this because it's one thing for us to realize that we need to be forgiven, but that's no good on its own, is it? Unless something can be done about that. We can't sort the problem of our sin out by ourselves. But what makes Jesus the person 
to forgive. Well, in the rest of our passage, we see really clearly that it's Jesus, that he has the authority, he has the power to forgive sins. And Jesus shows us this in his response to some critical teachers of the law who were there and they saw Jesus doing this and they were thinking to themselves in verse 7, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They weren't happy with what Jesus had said. Remember he'd said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now on the one hand, they are absolutely right, aren't they? Only God can forgive sins. That is true. No human being, no preacher or pastor or priest or vicar, or call him whatever you like, they can't forgive you your sins. Only God can forgive sins. And so these teachers of the law, they are right about that. They've got that right. But where they've gone wrong is they've misunderstood who Jesus is. And so, because Jesus knows in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, he reveals something of his identity to them as the one who has authority to forgive sins. And in so doing, he's showing himself to us, to you here this morning, of who he is. God himself. Look with me at what he says there from the end of uh, verse 8. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, this is not a trick question. This isn't a choice between two of your favorite things, and you can only have uh, one of them. Like saying, do you want pizza or pasta? It's not that kind of question. Jesus isn't saying it's a choice between one or the other here. And that's important. Because on one level, it's always easier to say something than than to do it, isn't it? I don't just mean it's easier for you to say that you do the washing up later on this afternoon. It's always easier to say it than actually doing it, isn't it? That is true. You, You might know that I like swimming. I used to do a lot of it when I was younger. And I could say, well, I could have swum for whales. Who knows? Maybe I could have. Probably couldn't have. But maybe I could have. But it it can't be proved, can it? I didn't put all my focus and energies into it. So who knows? I could say it, but we can't prove it. Maybe you think you could have played for the Swans with your footballing ability. You could have been a famous musician if you'd uh, practiced uh, a bit more. So it's maybe easier to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, because you can't see with your eyes the proof of that, can you? And so is Jesus just claiming to have authority to forgive sins when actually he can't? Well, the question is really, which of these is easier to do? And the answer to that is, well, neither of these are easier to do because both are impossible for a man to do on their own. A man cannot forgive sins and a man does not have any power in himself to heal anyone. And so Jesus gives us the answer to his own question in verse 10. By telling us what he wants us to know. So listen very carefully to what Jesus says here in verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Here's the turning point. Jesus says, I absolutely do have the authority to forgive sins. Jesus alone is the only one who can deal with our greatest need. And to prove it, he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
That is all it takes. Jesus doesn't have to say more than that. He heals the man with a word. The man gets up, takes his mat. He walks out in full view of the whole crowd. There were loads of eyewitnesses there that day. And they saw this amazing miracle Jesus did. As this man does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. This man really is physically healed. He couldn't walk and now he can. There's such power on display here, isn't there? And Jesus heals him physically, tells him to get up and to go, to take his mat and walk. And that shows his authority to heal this man spiritually. In other words, this amazing miracle, which everyone saw and astonished them all, reveals the identity of Jesus, who is God, who alone has the authority to forgive sins. So the teachers of the law, they were asking, well, how can Jesus do that? Who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And they were right. But Jesus is God, so he can forgive their sins. He can forgive. And you know what? This forgiveness, it wasn't something limited to the past. Jesus says here that he has authority on earth to forgive sins. You see where that authority is? On earth. By believing in Jesus, we can know forgiveness here and now, this morning. How is that possible? Because our forgiveness is entirely based on what Jesus has done. On what he will go on to do in Mark's gospel. He will go on to a cross, he will die and he will rise again in the place of people just like you and me. His death means we can live the perfect life that he lived on our behalf. Through trusting in him. Our imperfect life of sin, it can be wonderfully forgiven the death and resurrection really has happened the saving work of jesus christ was finished on the cross there's nothing more for jesus to do that we might be saved and there is nothing more he requires of us to add to what he has done to get us over the line everything needed for our forgiveness of sins is done by jesus it's a stunning fact brothers and sisters and it means this morning that if you are a Christian, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, whether it's been five years, ten years, twenty, thirty, forty years, however long it's been, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ this morning, then you can be sure and certain that you are completely and utterly forgiven. You have this wonderful assurance that you really are forgiven. Your sins have been dealt with. You are no longer guilty before a holy God. And you now know no condemnation because Jesus is your saviour. Your faith is in him. You are safe in him. This is so wonderful, friends, because it means that no matter how you're feeling, and no matter how you're feeling this morning as you come to church, we all have doubts, don't we? Sometimes you'll struggle. Maybe you're struggling with knowing if you're a Christian this morning. Maybe you've had a tough week in school or it's been a hard week at work. And something happened and you found it hard to be a Christian. And maybe you thought, oh, I didn't do a good job uh, for the Lord. Or maybe something has happened in your life this week. Something's made you question, well, am I really saved? You do believe in Jesus and what he has done for you. But there are times when you struggle and you doubt. Is this really, really true for me? But no matter how you feel this morning, this passage uh, today means that Right now, while you are living on this earth, as you're sitting here in Gesinan, you're fully forgiven with eternity, absolutely assured through your faith in the Lord 
Jesus Christ in his wonderful person. What a glorious promise that is uh, for you today because we have an amazing saviour. I wonder, does this leave you in awe and wonder like the crowd there that day? Look at their uh, response in verse 12. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. They were amazed at what they saw. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. Nobody has ever seen anything like it since because Jesus is unique. There is nobody else like Jesus who has the authority to heal and to forgive us our sins. Jesus said to this man, your sins are forgiven. And as we finish this morning, we can now answer with confidence the question of those religious leaders who can forgive sins but God alone. The answer is Jesus. Jesus can. Jesus has the victory over sickness and over sin because Jesus does what only God can do. And Jesus is God himself. And as that answer was seen before their eyes on that day, the crowd and the teachers of the law, they had a decision to make, didn't they? They've seen Jesus heal this man. So he can't be mad. The way he humbly lives, the way he uh, accepts those uh, that society rejects, It shows us he's not some evil tyrant. So there's only one option left, isn't there? That this Jesus is actually who he claims to be. He is who the Bible is pointing us to. He is the man who is God. Friends, our greatest need this morning is the forgiveness of sins. The biggest thing that we need to make sure is dealt with in our lives is that our sins are are forgiven by Jesus Christ as we humbly come to him, asking him to forgive us, the one who has the authority to forgive because he is God himself. And you're invited this morning to respond to this Jesus. You're invited to say, yes, I really believe in this Jesus personally for myself. I believe that Jesus can forgive me all my sins, which are many. But his mercy is more. You're invited this morning to say, yes, Jesus has forgiven me all my many sins. And in total amazement, I'll praise God for all my life because of what he has done for me. Will you do that this morning, friend? Will you trust in Christ? So the question I want to leave you with is this. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that your sins are forgiven by Jesus? Because Jesus is the only one who can forgive them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how precious it is as we hear you speak to us and hear you've shown us of our great need to be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that we can be forgiven as we come to Jesus. Help all of us to think seriously about this today, to look at our own hearts and lives and to ask, are we forgiven? Do I know that I'm forgiven by you? We thank you that if we put our trust in Jesus, then we really are forgiven and that is absolutely certain and it will never change and we will make it home to heaven one day. Lord, please forgive us our sins. Help all of us to see our need of you as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.